1: We're getting you ready for the game on the build up with news from around the league interviews highlights and more. Here's your host Ted Ramey.
2: Well I didn't love our game that game obviously our third period got away from us Uh, I mean, you certainly match your uh, tenacity and your speed. Uh, But you know at this point I'm not really focusing on our opponents you know there are certain areas we've got to be way more consistent with and much better at. Obviously it's been a tough start for us and. You, know, you can see the morale. It's not easy, uh, but you know one of the things we got to do is we got to will our way out of this. And the only thing that every individual can do in there is take care of themselves. And you know that's what we need tonight. We need everybody to be better and just do their job, do it with more conviction and. You know, all of a sudden you start trusting each other a little bit more.
1: All right, welcome everyone. That is Sharks head coach David Quinn bringing us in as we get ready for a Friday afternoon tilt between the San Jose Sharks and Carolina Hurricanes. We are looking at the Sharks trying to get their first win of the year. Obviously, they have had an unbelievably difficult schedule. I know that's not going to be an excuse that anyone wants to hear, but I will continue to maintain that it is part of the narrative at the very least. And today, again, it presents an opportunity, second out of a back-to-back against a good team. I'm sure everyone's saying, oh, this is not the game the Sharks are going to win, so maybe it will be the game that the Sharks do get that win um, and get maybe a little bit more of momentum going as they face Washington on Sunday and get a couple of days off uh, before they face uh, Vancouver on the second back on home ice. A little bit more from David Quinn here, talking about the idea that they are just, you know, needing to trust each other a little bit more out there on the ice.
2: Well, all you can do is what you're supposed to do. And if everybody on the ice has that mentality, then all of a sudden people start trusting each other more. But unfortunately, what's happened and what has crept in with us is guys are hesitant to do what they're supposed to do because they're not sure someone else is going to do what they should be doing. And, you know, when you get into that situation, things become dangerous and you get a game like we had last night you know that's something that's that's we've got to get away from and we've got to get back to you know playing with a with a certain attitude and playing with conviction and doing what's supposed to do through all three zones
1: and i think that's definitely something you expect with as many new faces as the sharks have had right now Um, And you're waiting on the return of a Couture, Granlund, as well as Barabanov, who's going to be out for a while. Uh, David Quinn has also asked about Couture in this morning's presser. He said that they didn't really have a definitive timeline, but he hadn't heard anything negative. And he knew that Couture was skating and feeling good back in San Jose. But again, he didn't give a timeline. He did say with Granlund, though, that he could return as soon as Sunday. uh, So that would be a big boost for the Sharks offense, which, uh, you know, has been lacking, for lack of a better term. And hopefully that can take a step in the right direction. But uh, for the Sharks, it's a matter of losing that hesitation. You heard head coach David Quinn allude to right now. There is a lot of just a, there's trepidation. They hesitate. They don't look completely on the same page with everybody out there. And that's, that's got to change for lack of a better term. They need to figure out how they can put themselves in a better position across the board. And again, like I said, all of their deficiencies against these upper echelon teams get highlighted to an extent that I do not expect it to happen when they play some of the other teams out there um, in the NHL. But going against these top-tier teams, yeah, if the Sharks have deficiencies, if they hesitate, if they have other issues, it's it's not going to end well in any way, shape, or form. So right now, they just need to get a little bit out of that and just kind of expect guys to do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, maybe tonight on the second night of a back-to-back where they're supposed to be tired, where they're supposed to be having a bad night, uh, this can be a situation where they do have a little bit more of that push, a little bit more of that overall ability to get themselves in a better place. David Quinn was also asked about the Sharks' decor uh, being more involved in the offense, and he made some very good points about maybe why that has not happened.
2: Well, lately, we've been spending way too much time in our D zone. So I think they're gassed to jump in the play offensively. So uh, as I've said, I know that we've been challenged offensively, but we've got to defend better. We're defending way too much. And we do get out of our zone. There's not a lot of cleanliness to it because it's out of desperation instead of possession and cleanliness. So we've got to defend better and and be crisper on our breakouts, which will allow us to, to transition through the neutral zone and generate more offense.
1: Another note out of this morning, Ryan Carpenter from the Barracuda will be slotting into the Sharks lineup tonight. We don't know exactly who for, but uh, David Quinn did uh, report that in this press conference this morning. And I had a chance to uh, play golf with Ryan Carpenter the other day. And, of course, you remember he played with the Sharks previously. And just, uh, you know, I I talked to Noli about it. He's he's about as good a dude as you could possibly uh, come across in the NHL. I mean, they're usually all fantastic dudes but Carpenter seems just uh, right there at the top with all of them but you know to talk more about what's been going on with the Barracuda we are now joined by the voice of the Barracuda Nick Nolenberger. Noli what's going on man how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great just trying to keep my uh, my feet under me at this point in the season obviously we're in the early stages so as you know it's almost like you got to get in shape sometimes with the hockey season yeah uh, just getting used to the the nuances all the little things you got to do and and just getting prepared for games but Overall, I'm doing great and uh, happy to have hockey back.
1: Yes, no, it is uh, It is always so much fun once we get the season rolling. And um, I, I don't want to uh, go any longer without mentioning this, that you will be doing the call on the Sharks Audio Network and our radio affiliate network coming up on November 12th while, while our friend Dan Rusanowski, uh gets inducted into the Holly, Hockey Hall of Fame, man. But uh, I, I have to imagine you're pretty excited for that. I'm excited to hear you. Yeah, I'm juiced.
0: I'm really excited. Obviously, kind of a dream come true for me. I've done a couple of exhibition games when we've had split squads, but (laughs) uh, obviously a different animal when you jump into the regular season and you kind of check that box off your first NHL game. So it'll certainly be something I'll I'll remember forever. Um, And obviously, massive shoes to fill, just trying to do an admirable job uh, in in replacement uh, of the great Dan Ryzanowski, who as you know, Ted, he doesn't miss many games. I think he's missed like 20 in his entire career, and that came back in early 2000 when he got in a car accident yeah. and nearly died. He has not missed any games since that point. I know it was hard to give up uh, this game, but for uh, for a real valid cause. So uh, extremely excited for him. Well-deserved. He's a legend in the broadcasting realm and a a legend when it comes to to hockey broadcasting, certainly. So... I'm excited to celebrate him, but obviously extremely excited personally to be able to fill uh, fill his shoes for a night uh, down in Anaheim. So, yeah, I'm very excited about the opportunity.
1: Well, as I say uh, to you before, this is just one step closer to another franchise poaching you away. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what the outcome is. But uh, take me through the 30,000-foot view of where the Barracuda were entering the season, and then after that, what we've seen through the first uh, few games.
0: Well, the Barracuda have been notoriously a, a very useful team in terms of their average age and how many rookies and sophomore players they have. This year, they are a little bit more experienced, a little bit more veteran. Uh, in fact, our last game on Wednesday against Henderson, we had to sit out a, a veteran player. There's a veteran minimum in the AHL. It, it's something around, I think, 300 games uh, combined between the NHL, AHL, or major European leagues. Mm-hmm. So if you played beyond that, You can only have five of those players in the roster. So Oscar Lindblom actually had to sit out on Wednesday. He was kind of the odd man out. Um, I think he's dealing with a little bit uh, something just health-wise as well. So it was an easier decision uh, for John McCarthy. Uh, Ryan Carpenter actually got recalled to the Sharks. So I'd expect Lindblom to be back in the lineup. This is a little bit more of a veteran team. There are still many young players on the roster. Uh, Many players who went from that first year that kind of at freshman year where you're, you're figuring stuff out at the pro level, now they've graduated to sophomores. Um, and we've seen some some big leaps in their game. Daniil Gushin is a is a player last year who was outstanding as a rookie. Uh, he's riding a three-game point streak in which he's picked up multiple points in the last three games. So he's been kind of an offensive dynamo of sorts, although he hadn't scored uh, before Wednesday, so he potted his first of the year. He's a guy I've I've circled, obviously, to see where he can take his game. Unfortunately, Tristan Robbins um, is a guy that I think a lot of Sharks fans are intrigued about where he can take his game in year number two. Uh, he suffered an ankle injury in preseason and has not played since. So he's mm-hmm. he's working out right now, not skating. Uh, I just saw him the other day, and it's kind of like wait-and-see type thing. It's one of those high ankle sprains, I believe, um, and they just take a while. As football fans know, it's a longer process than a normal uh, sprained ankle. So he's trying to come back. Overall, though. This has been an interesting start, to say the least. The Barracuda lost their first game 7-2 against Rockford. That was back on October 13th. And it was due in large part, I thought, to just penalty trouble. Uh, They were given a five-minute major in the second period that resulted in the the Ice Hogs scoring twice in the power play. And the game just got away from them, and they lost 7-2. They turn around less than 24 hours later, and they win 7-2 against the same exact team. So there's some inconsistencies right now, some ups and downs, to say the least, with this group. They've now lost three straight, all against the Henderson Silver Knights, top Mm -hmm. affiliate of the Golden Knights. And in every single game, they've been up at various points in the game. In fact, the last two, they've had two goal leads in the third period. They've squandered the leads and lost in overtime by a score of 4-3. We saw that on Wednesday. They had a two-goal lead. They gave up a goal 32 seconds into the third period, and you're thinking to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again. And that's exactly what happened. They fell into more penalty trouble. They gave up a power play goal that tied the score up. And then Henderson ends up winning it in overtime. So for the Barracuda, they've earned points in their last two games, but they should have four points. Instead, they have just two. And I think for John McCarthy and his coaching staff and the players, there's a little bit of frustration early in the season, just the way these games have transpired because – for a younger team there's you know a, still a mix of young players and then some of these veterans it's not a habit you want to get into your game having leads and maybe taking your foot off the pedal and, and losing them so the silver lining i guess is it's early in the year get these kinks out of the way find a way to win these games kind of you know close the door not allow for teams to have any sort of hope of getting back into them um, but it's been a little bit of a, a frustrating last 3 games i, I would say you lose three straight to an Henderson team all by a single goal yep. and two of them again you have multi-goal leads in the third period so uh, a little bit of an odd start um, but still plenty of time to get the get the uh, train i guess back on the tracks
1: what are you looking at going into this uh two game homestand against uh, both uh, coach or against the two against Coachella
0: well, Coachella obviously was the best team in the Western Conference last year. I think they they missed out on winning the Pacific Division by a single point against Calgary. They ended up eliminating Calgary in round, uh, I think it was two or three, and they go all the way to the Calder Cup final. They lost in Game Seven uh, in overtime against the Hershey Bears. So they were, uh, you know, inches from claiming a Calder Cup in their first season in the american hockey league so they've got a lot of players back from their from their team a year ago max mccormick who's their captain he led the team last year in scoring he's back in fact three of their top four scorers are back from a year ago um so they've got a lot of returning players even though that's the case they're not off to a great start they're just one and two through their first uh three games so the barracuda and coachella valley firebirds find themselves uh, at the bottom of the division early now again a lot a lot can change over you know the next six months or so um, but this Coachella Valley team I think it's a it's a club the Barracuda cannot take lightly. San Jose did not beat them last year in eight attempts. Uh, they were zero and four at home against Coachella Valley. This was a, a Firebird team that right from the opening puck drop of their first game they were dominant. And the Barracuda in those four games at home, they were outscored 21-8. to eight. So this is going to be a major uh, challenge, I would say, this upcoming weekend. We'll, we'll see if the Barracuda can, again, get back on track and, and see if they can find a little bit more success against a team uh, last year that they went 0-5, 1-2 and against.
1: Tell me a little bit about uh, Shakir and As obviously last year we got to see him in, I think, about 10, 15 games, something like that, um, and put up uh, close to a point per game, if I want to say correctly, this year. Uh, I know he's got a goal and registered a couple of assists. How does he look, I guess, first and foremost, uh, compared to what you saw a year ago, although in very limited capacity?
0: I always like to kind of temper my expectations with these young players. But uh, to be honest, Mookamadola for me has been probably the team's best and most consistent player. Just the the way he plays the game is just fun to watch. His skating Mm -hmm. ability, his size, you don't see guys – at that size, at six foot four, move the way he does. Uh, just has natural instincts that you can't teach. Um, so far, he's been partnered up with Leon Gavanke on the point as the number one uh, pairing for John McCarthy's team. Gavanke, a right shot; he's a left shot. And Gavanke, who I spoke to the other day, uh, just cannot believe how advanced uh, Muka Medulin is for this point in his career. Played last year over in the KHL, obviously one of the premier uh, leagues over. Uh, on the other side of the pond. So he's Mm -hmm. played at a very high level against men, against professionals. Um, Different animal when you come across uh, to North America with the smaller rink and the adjustment to the language and the culture. Um, But he's fitting really well. He's got a couple of guys that he can lean on. Uh, Nikito Hoytuk is a guy who came over that trade from New Jersey as well. He's been in North America now for seven or eight years. He speaks really good English. He's helped Mook Madolin with the adjustment. Uh, There's a handful of Russians on the team. Gushin Obviously, Romanov, uh, just to name a few. So that kind of clan, if you will, I think they've all helped each other just get comfortable with the new organization, comfortable to their surroundings and with the league. And you know, Muka has been outstanding. It'll be interesting, and I and I would not be shocked if he gets uh, multiple games this year at the NHL. But I think for the Sharks, the, the plan for him was um, still very young, still raw. I would say in terms of his uh, you know experience and his abilities. Um, All the skill is there to be an NHL defenseman. And he could probably play right now for the Sharks and be effective. But the Sharks want him to develop more physically. He's still Mm -hmm. a a little bit wiry. We mentioned the height, but he's not overly built. I I think he could handle the rigors in the NHL just because of his frame. But you give him a full year at the AHL level. um, You allow him to get comfortable, continue to build his confidence and fine-tune the little elements of his game that will make him a consistent NHLer. Uh, and you're going to give him the best chance of success moving forward. So uh, long answer, I I really like Muka Madolin's game. Um, For him, it's just stacking consistent efforts, being reliable, and and continuing to to refine his skill set before he does get that opportunity.
1: I think the fun thing for me when watching him in the preseason is just, like you said, his frame, but when he starts reaching out, it's like the circle of defense he has around him because of his reach with his stick. It's enormous.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. It's funny. My my brother came to a game. I think it was the. It was actually the opener when we lost seven two, and he said, "Who's the eighty five uh, <laughs> on the ice?" He said, "I, I obviously it wasn't a great performance, but he he noticed um, as kind of a you know I would say more of a novice hockey fan. I mean, he's he's played hockey and and been around the game, but isn't watching the real fine tuned details of it." Um but he noticed uh, mukomodolan and just the way that he's so calm and collected it's 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 really fun to watch that's I think the most enjoyable part of his game he just never is rattled never never seems to be pressured every pass is is uh, on the tape and it's because even though guys are bearing down on him, there's not this acceleration or this this hurry up to his game where he's making mistakes he's just kind of casual out there um and makes the right play and uh, will skate out of trouble and, and all the the skills that he's got to his game. Um, maybe that's the reason why he's so, so calm and collected. It just doesn't seem to be, to be some, uh, someone who gets phased. So um, mm-hmm. that's been one of the fun parts to see just, uh, just how calm he is with the puck, um doesn't seem to ever be hurried up.
1: Like you alluded to this year, you know, Mok Madulan's M- got time to develop because, and I say this with all due respect, like there isn't a hurry with the San Jose sharks right now. There's, you know, they're they're trying to, you know, get this retool, reset, rebuild, whatever term you want to use. So it is allowing that development to happen. But at the same time, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, is there anybody that is demanding to be seen at the next level that is making a good case for themselves?
0: That's a great question. I think at this point, um, there's not a guy that you you would say, and Mukumadolan, I would say, is probably uh, near the top of the list, um, but there's not a guy just knocking at the door uh, to, to get to the NHL. And I say that because it's just been such a small sample size. And I think for the Sharks and for the Barracuda alike, um, both teams, it's about building chemistry. There's so many new faces with both teams and mm-hmm. within the organization this year. There's been a total overhaul over the last year, uh, essentially since Mike Gura came in, about bringing in new faces, bringing in veteran players, bringing in young players that blend um, and trying to see – Who's going to be part of the future, and part of the solution here in this quote unquote rebuild. So um, I think for the Barracuda, one of the great things is, and we saw this last year with Bordalo and with Eklund, is Mike Rear is not going to hurry up the process. He's going to have these guys marinate. Um, he's going to have them build chemistry amongst one another because um, you hope in the future a lot of these young prospects will be playing with one another with the Sharks. So I don't think there's any reason to hurry any of these guys. I don't think the Sharks have any plan at this point uh, to bring these guys up, at least in the immediate future, unless, of course, injuries occur, which we all know um, always right around the corner. Um, But right now at this point, I think the best plan of action is is to allow for these guys to continue to develop in the AHL and get that experience. Because the key is you want to dominate at the AHL. So when you go up to the NHL, it's, it's a more seamless transition. If you're not dominating at the AHL level, even though the AHL is an outstanding league filled with tons of guys who could, who could play in the NHL. If you're not dominating at that level, I don't think there's any reason for you uh, to think at least that you're going to go to the NHL and have a ton of success. So for the young players, it's about dominating. It's about fine tuning your game, becoming reliable in your own end, because we know you go to the NHL, you can score a bazillion goals, but if you don't play well in your own end, it's just not going to last very long. So it's about becoming a complete player and, why not do it at the HL level when maybe the, the lights aren't as bright and, and there aren't as many uh, people, you know, looking looking at your game and you can you can work on all the small things.
1: Hear more of this interview with Nick Nolenberger coming up tomorrow morning on Morning Time. But we are just about out of time. Join us at 3.30 this afternoon, as we've got live pregame coverage before the Sharks take on Carolina, and then game time 4 o'clock with Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. I'll see you all tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.